um, today's Torah tea of the portion of Korach, I mean, the very um, obvious question that people can wonder is why would we call a Sedra on the name of Korach? Korach was a uh, a person, he was an evil person, he waged a war against Moshe Rabbeinu, he made a big fight against Moshe Rabbeinu, and um, unfortunately persuaded a good portion of, of the Jewish people to rebel. Why would we name a portion after Korah? Uh, we'll discuss a little bit of that. What? Sorry? To learn something. No, it's always the Rebbe's style to find in the in the negative to find something positive. Yeah. Appears to be negative. This is evidence that, notwithstanding Korach being generally and remaining a negative person and a negative story, but yet if we dig uh, deep enough, we can find something positive. Evidence is the Torah names a portion of Korach to Korach. So, it's like every person, every individual, even sometimes we think that that person, we lost hope and he's a goner, yet we shouldn't really be too quick to judge, because we can find something positive. And uh, there'll be some more evidence to that, but that's uh, naming a portion of Korach tells us that even Korach Know, we can name a portion. A lot of times there's events in our lives, personally, which we have a hard time finding any, thank you, which we have a hard time finding any positive in it. It seems like it's all negative. And, um, but we have to realize, the Parsha tells us, Parsha of Korach tells us, here you have a negative person and yet, we named the parsha after him, so there is something positive over there. And especially, I'm talking about the time of year we're in. So, tonight is Rosh Chodesh, and it's Rosh Chodesh Tammuz. So besides the fact that Tammuz, uh, we remember it, he starts the three weeks, starting of the 17th day of Tammuz through Tisha B'Av. That's the three weeks of mourning for the destruction of the temple, the first, second temple. Um, but up till 25 years ago, uh, the month of Tammuz in the Hasidic calendar was only a joyous, only a joyous event. Um, there were two special days in the month of Tammuz which very directly relate to Chabad and to the Rebbe, and basically to the Rebbe's father-in-law, to the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, the Rebbe of Yosef Yitzchok, a blessed memory, Nishma Sayyid, Nishchus Yogan Aleinu. And your birthday. We know. <laughs> okay, that's depends for some, but thank you. Great. Um, actually, my birthday is in between the 3rd and the 12th day of Thomas. So it's on the 10th day of Thomas. So it's, uh, it's in between. But... Uh, I'm fortunate that I can give over um, 
a little bit about the Rebbe. And as I've said many times, uh, the most important things to the Rebbe was to fulfill and to uh, contribute to the vision of his father-in-law, the previous Rebbe. Even this morning, as we read uh, the letter of the Rebbe, the Rebbe, almost in every letter, keeps on saying, my father-in-law you know, wanted to be more and with excitement and accomplishment and never to be satisfied. The Rebbe, he was, he showed us what it means to be a chassid, what it means to be a follower, somebody who's connected to a tzaddik and somebody's connected to a rebbe. That was his father-in-law, that was the rebbe's rebbe, our rebbe's rebbe. So, to the rebbe, uh, the month of Tammuz, and as we're standing Rosh Chodesh Tammuz, then, the two events were the most important events to the rebbe's life, because on this month, the previous rebbe was released from prison. Now, the previous Rebbe, he lived in a very difficult time in the 1920s after the revolution and that's when his leadership started and there were very, very tough times for Yidin and Yiddishkeit. Now, there's one thing to be religious, to be a Rebbe, to teach Hasidus, to teach Torah, to guide people to help do mitzvahs and to live a spiritual life when it's easy when things are relatively speaking uh, comfortable but being in a situation in which uh, doing mitzvahs and learning Torah involved a great deal of danger uh, personal danger of uh, losing your job losing your life putting yourself into harm's way. That was even any individual who wanted to practice their Yiddishkeit, wanted to go to shul to daven, wanted to send the kids to Jewish schools, wanted to uh, participate in Jewish life. They were in danger. But certainly people that took on a leadership position, which is to create various different schools, to keep the mikvahs going, to keep the shuls going, to keep them. That was uh, danger, right out danger. And as it happened, but notwithstanding the Rebbe's prominent position, the Rebbe was arrested. And the Rebbe was arrested. And on the Rebbe's, uh, you know, in Russia, there wasn't too much human rights over there, and there wasn't too much... Uh, too many people you can complain to and you didn't have any uh, any recourse really, you know, you were at the mercy of the corrupt uh, regime and what they were doing over there and there was just really almost nothing that anybody can do. So under those circumstances the previous Rebbe worked and he continued doing his his work of spreading Yiddishkeit, spreading Chassidus, spreading Torah encouraging people to do mitzvahs in face of all these threats that faced him and he actually eventually they arrested him and the uh, punishment was the death penalty and they had it written down for the death penalty 
miraculously, miraculously, uh, Hashem had mercy. Yes, they did some intervention, and they tried all different kinds of ways. But you know, Russia uh, at that time, the USSR, and uh, all of its satellites over there—they didn't really care about world opinion. They don't care that much today either, and. That wasn't something in those days that they really made a difference. So they didn't really uh, succumb to pressure or from outside, from inside. They just did whatever they wanted. And um, the Rebbe was in real danger. And, you know, and the Rebbe... Um, now, here's the amazing thing that happened. On the third day of Tammuz, on the third day of Tammuz, Finally, after uh, all of the intervention and the chazde Hashem, kindness of Hashem, they swapped the penalty from the death penalty to being exiled in a uh, city of refuge for 12 years, for 10 years, for a long time to be there. So they were going to free him from prison, in which he was incarcerated, and they were going to send him away to Kastrama. That is where he was going to spend the years in exile over there. Um, they told it to him it was on Thursday. And it was Rosh Chodesh. Thursday was Rosh Chodesh. It must have been that that year, Thursday was the first day Rosh Chodesh. This year, Thursday, the second day Rosh Chodesh. Because the third day of Tam was that year, it was on Sunday. So it must have been that the schedule can be that it was the first day of Rosh Chodesh. That's the way the story goes, as I read in the Rebbe Sicha. So that was on, on Thursday. So they told the Rebbe that he has six hours. They're going to free him on Rosh Chodesh. So that's a special connection to today, which tonight is Rosh Chodesh. Uh, matter of fact, Mamish Rosh Chodesh is when they told the Rebbe that they're going to go free. And... They said that he has six hours to spend with his family in his house. And after that, he'd have to go to uh, exile. They had arranged for a train to take him to his city of refuge, to exile over there. He asked the people um, when the train that is taking him to Kastrama, when it's going to arrive in Kastrama, when it's going to arrive. And he's, they said that it's going to arrive on Shabbos. So he says, in that case, he's not traveling. He said he's not going. He's not because he won't, in no way will he ride on Shabbos. When the Rebbe talks about this Sikha, he questions halachically how the Rebbe had a right not to take the opportunity because they told him, if you're not going out, you're just going to remain in prison. You're not. We're not. If you're not going, uh, so there's even a halacha question. How could you do that? You know, I mean, the questions of violating the Shabbos were very remote and they were very uh, lenient, and one can find many heters, so to speak, many leniencies and permissions to go ahead and do it and travel. It didn't really. But yet, the Rebbe brings out that the Rebbe's approach was. If it involves desecration of Shabbos, he's not going. Now, you're sitting in a prison, in the Russian prison over there, and there was no uh, picnic over there. You're sitting with, with gangsters, with, 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 with all kinds of uh, uh, 
people who are uh, who are there in the jail. So it wasn't the place for the Rebbe to be. And you would think the opportunity, why would he go to go back? But the Rebbe said no. Actually, so they were able to um, they were able to change the ride to uh, that he needed to take the train that he needed to take to the city of exile. They were able to 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 trade it in for Sunday, so he didn't have to go on Shabbos. But that meant they had to spend another three days in jail. So Thursday, Friday, and Shabbos he had to spend in jail. And then he only left on Sunday. But the Sunday that he left, that was the Sunday that he was freed, was actually the third day of Tammuz. I don't know, mostly they don't make a big deal about Rosh Chodesh with regards to the Rebbe's release, but it seems almost that it started on Rosh Chodesh, but the actual, but he refused to take that opportunity, so he actually left on the third day of Tammuz, and then left on Sunday. And that was one of the things that the Rebbe discussed. Now, then he traveled to Kastramat, that city of refuge, over exile, and I call it a city of refuge, there's no refuge there, it's a city of exile, but the, um, the Torah, when somebody kills somebody accidentally, he goes to the city's of exile, that's also called the Ir Miklotoi, that place where he has to be exiled to, uh, city of his exile, Agalusa. But in any event, the um, Rebbe went there, and then he was there not even for uh, 10 days. On the 10th day, on the 12th day of Tammuz, which was just short of 10 days, nine days later, uh, they actually told him that they are freeing him altogether from... Eventually he left the country. It was a, uh, a holiday, so the, the office was closed, so they let him out on the 30th day of Tammuz, another day. So exactly 10 days later, he was totally freed. So the Chabad history, when it came to the month of Tammuz, by the Rebbe, always involved these special days of redemption. Freedom on the third day of Tammuz, which he was actually freed from prison, and freedom on the twelfth, thirteenth of Tammuz, in which he was freed from the exile. So he was totally freed. That was the um, that was the celebration of the month of Tammuz. And unfortunately, uh, twenty-five years ago, that changed. That changed because the Rebbe uh, Saul left this world. Uh, this physical world on the third day of Tammuz in the year Tavshin Nundalat that was exactly 25 years ago so now but on the same day at third day of Tammuz and over here that day was known to be such a beautiful special day there was always a, a debate what is considered the main thrust of the holiday is it the day that he was freed from incarceration on the third day of Tammuz, which was the beginning of the redemption, or is it on the twelfth day, thirteenth day, in which he was actually released from, also from exile? And it was this whole debate, the beginning, the end, and everything in between. But then here, on the third day of Tammuz, all of a sudden we come to a situation which seems to be only negative. And what are we connected with the Parsha of Korach? Because in Korach is also, like I said, Korach sometimes, Korach means like a bold spot. You know, something was taken away. It means a, 
a korcha is called a bold spot. It's something that's been taken away, a gap. When there is a gap created, there is a gap was created. It seems only negative. It doesn't seem any positive. But korach became, remains a parsha of the Torah. And so does Gimel Tammuz remain a holiday, a very special holiday in the Torah. So notwithstanding the uh, simple level in which there was a great loss to us and we uh, still are in, uh, in shock and stay a situation of loss, but yet we have to learn from the Parsha, from Korach to see that even negative occurrences, even negative things still have something very positive, something very strong which the Rebbe discusses in a talk in a Sicha, but before I say that, there was another very special thing, miracle that happened on the third day of Tammuz which can also be associated with the Gimel Tammuz that we know 25 years ago um, which um, which was the great miracle, which was never such a thing, never ever happened before, they say. The Pasuk says, and it will never happen again. And that was during a war that was waged by Yehoshua, Joshua. This is recorded in the book of Yehoshua. Yehoshua was waging a war against some of uh, the enemies that got together to fight some of uh the neighbors of Eretz Yisrael who they had a pact with uh, to protect each other and uh, Yeshua was fighting them and they needed some more time to uh, to win the war so he said that Shemesh Begivon Dom he said that the sun in Givon should stay silent should no longer, should not go the Shemesh Begivon Dom the Shemesh should not, not move anymore the Yareyach Be'emek Hayalon and the moon in the valley of Yalon. So the whole uh, movement of all the stars, of the sun, and everything stopped. And that allowed, now how long did it stop for the Talmud? There is various different opinions. For six hours, for 12 hours, 24 hours, for what long, how it exactly worked out. But it stopped. Everything stopped. The sun stopped. If you take a look, I mean... uh, on uh, the third day of Tammuz, our sun, our shine, radiate the sun, which was the Rebbe physically who radiated so much love, so much, uh, so much light, brought so much comfort, brought so much uh, consolation for lost souls, for people who are hurting, people who are uh, in desperate situation. And the Rebbe's uh, counsel, the Rebbe's uh, blessings, the Rebbe's love and the Rebbe's uh, care, I mean that warmed so many hearts and repaired so many uh, so many uh, broken uh, lost souls that came back you know, Rebbe personally and through all the Rebbe's work and as we read the Rebbe's letter we see in the first years how the Rebbe was guiding and pushing and directing and, and running everything from the nuts and bolts to the organization and making sure that everybody's doing the right thing and being on top of them and doing it. So all of a sudden Yeshua says the sun should stop shining. Well, when Yeshua said that to the sun, the sun responded. The sun said, 
but how could I stop? Who's going to say the praise of Hashem? Son responded, the Yalkut Shimoni says, Son said, if I stop shining, who's going to say the praise of Hashem? What does it mean, who's going to say the praise of Hashem? Well, the whole world is saying praise of Hashem. Why do we need? What does it mean, who's going to say the praise of Hashem? What does it mean, who's going to say the praise of Hashem? All the other stars and all the other moving and all the other people and all the angels and all the uh, armies of the heavens, everybody will continue to say so who cares if the sun stops? The um, the uh, Moshe Rabbeinu answered the sun. He says, "You know what? I'll take your place. I'll say, I'll say the praise instead of you." So how is Moshe Rabbeinu's praise that he's going to say in the place of the sun going to? take place of the, uh, the sun. The sun, the fact that the sun moves all the time, that in itself is praise of Hashem. You know, a lot of times we look at nature, we say, oh, where is Hashem? That's nature. Well, for nature to keep on doing the same thing for the sun, to go up every day in the east and set in the west, bowing to Hashem, as the Gemara says, and uh, that's the movement of the stars and of the sun. That's a praise of Hashem. That's all the time. Who's going to do the praise of Hashem when the sun isn't shining? So Moshe Rabbeinu, other stars, other people, other people are going to do. Moshe's going to do it, but how could he take over the praise of the star of the of the sun, which is not moving anymore at that particular point. But the whole idea is, the praise of Hashem is that things are doing His will. That when Hashem created the sun, the sun keeps on moving and everything is doing all the time. But when a yid, Yeshua, the Jewish people need a miracle, and when the sun listens to Yeshua. That becomes the praise of the sun. Because then you see that everything that's happening is actually Hashem. So it's nothing different. Moshe says, I will do your praise. Which means, I will show the world that even nature, I will bring out that point that when nature keeps on going, it goes because Hashem pushes it. And when Hashem wants to do a miracle, He can stop the nature all for the purpose of the Jewish people, so the praise will be keep on going on. You know, in Gimel Tammuz, uh, 25 years ago, uh, it seemed like the praise, the Shemesh, the sun stopped. Who's going to say, who's going to bring all those lost souls? Who's going to comfort all the people? Who's going to teach Who's going to be there for Klal Yisrael? You know, the Rebbe came in a time when the Jewish people were devastated after the Holocaust, after the so much, we lost a third of our people, so much destruction, so much devastation. But not only did we lose physical people, but we lost, many, many people have lost their faith. Many people lost their Yiddishkeit. 
Because even people who were religious before the war, and if their lives were spared and they made it through alive, they had questions, rightfully so. They had a very strong question. Where was God? How could God allow for this to happen? People lost their families. They lost every single relative. They lost their whole communities. They lost the whole cities. And they lost everything that they ever had. They lost physically, emotionally, and they lost their belief also, some of them. You needed the Rebbe. The Rebbe came to this country, interesting, a year, which also actually yesterday was the 28th day of Sivan. The Rebbe came just a little bit more than a year after his father-in-law. The previous Rebbe came on the ninth day of the second Ador in Tafshin, in Tafshin. that's in 1940. Uh, that's when the previous Rebbe came to the shores of America. The previous Rebbe came with his oldest daughter together. He was extracted miraculously. And there's a whole story about that, how the Rebbe was taken out from within the German. Actually, the Germans themselves, the, um, uh, the spy agency, there's a whole story about that, how they extracted the Rebbe, the previous Rebbe, that is, and his oldest daughter and husband, that's Rabbi Gurari, from the nails of the Nazis in Warsaw, and they were already occupied, and how miraculously they came to the United States. The previous Rebbe had two other daughters that were stuck in, still in Europe. It was the youngest daughter, Shayna, who was married to uh, Menachem Mendel Horenstein. Uh, and the Rebbe, the Rebbe was at that time in France. He ran, escaped uh, Berlin from Germany. But in France at that time was the, the Vichy government, the Vichy regime, uh, who was under the German, the Nazi occupation, Yemachshimam. And the problem is, America did not allow, had a quota of how many visas they would give to people for some of these people trying to escape, refugees trying to escape the horrors of the World War II, but they wouldn't let them through, as we already know, with the boat, with the exodus coming, and they came to the shores, they came to America, they came to Israel. Nobody would let them in to Palestine. Nobody would let them in. These poor Jews, they were stuck over there. So the Rebbe put in a lot of effort to save his children from here, from the United States. But his, um, his son-in-law and daughter-in-law, they were registered as Polish citizens. And the quota for Polish citizen was filled, and therefore they wouldn't allow anybody else to the United States. But the Russians because the Russians wouldn't allow their people to leave anyways, they closed the Iron Curtain, they wouldn't let people leave, so there was a few more, I guess, places for visas to the United States. If you had a good reason, you could get into the United States. The Rebbe and his wife were registered as Russian citizens, so therefore they were able to uh, procure visas for the Rebbe and the Rebbe into the United States. 
they weren't sure to uh, bring in the Rebbe as a rabbi or as an engineer because the Rebbe had went to uh, you know, college with Sorbonne, he had a degree in various different uh, other areas. Uh, the Rebbe actually worked in the Navy uh, shipyard in Brooklyn when he first came to the United States. Uh, I would think maybe because the Rebbe uh, wrote it in his papers that he'll be uh, working as that, so he wanted to make sure that he did what he said. I'm not sure if that's the case. He actually wrote Rabbi. They weren't sure what's the best way. But in any event, the Rebbe miraculously came to the United States. The Rebbe came to the United States on the 28th day of Sivan, which was yesterday. Today's the 29th, Erev Rosh Chodesh, tonight is Rosh Chodesh. And that was about a little more than a year after his father-in-law came to the United States. So while he came in 1940, uh, in, you know, like towards the end of the winter, 1940, the Rebbe came in the summer, the beginning of the summer of 1941. So a year later. And when the Rebbe came here, that's when it all started really uh, picking up the whole Chabad movement under the direction and guidance the Rebbe, the previous Rebbe appointed him, the Rebbe, to the main central uh, uh, institutions of Chabad, and the Rebbe uh, expanded the activities as we see till today, the Rebbe's work going on. So, but these are all sort of good things of the past, but then when you come Gimel Tammuz today, we try to find, uh, we try to find uh, some positive, you know, positive, positive. How do we get the positive? So, we started talking about Korach, we started talking about the Parsha, and we talked about the um, miracles that took place on the third of Tammuz, whether it was the sun staying silent, was with the previous Rebbe's uh, release from the prison. Um, and um, when we talk about the sun staying silent, you know, stun, stun, this, the movement of the sun is nature. For the sun staying silent, that's miraculous. The miraculous is there, which means we're showing that nature is also an arm of Hashem, so to speak, that we can have the miraculous Mommy. thing over nature. Mommy. Korach, Mommy. in a way, Mommy. Uh, Mommy. Uh, Korach, let him, let him stay here. Okay. Korach's um, argument essentially brought out later a, um, a benefit. What benefit? Korach's argument. Because at the end of the Parsha we read about the very special 24 gifts that the Kohens get. And while those gifts that the Kohen get, they would have got, gotten it regardless if Korach made the fight or not. But the argument 
the Korach, the made that gift so much stronger, so much more powerful, that because it was challenged and because it was questioned, it got a very strong confirmation for Hashem for eternity that those gifts will be forever and they will be strong and very powerful. A lot of times we talk about divisiveness, separation. Is separation necessarily always bad? So let's take a look about separation right in the very beginning. It says in the beginning when Hashem created the world, Hashem created the rakiah, the firmament. What did the firmament do? The sky. It separated in between the waters. Bein mayim lemayim. In between the waters. There is water that is above the firmament and the water that is below the firmament. There is higher waters and there is lower waters. Hashem made a partition. Hashem separated, made a mechitza, made a separation between these waters and these waters. You have the waters above and you have the waters below. If you look in the Chumash, something very astounding, that on the second day of creation, the Torah does not say, Vayar Elohim, God saw what he did, Kitov, that it was good. It doesn't say that it was good. Why doesn't it say that it was good? Because in that say separation was created. Separation, by definition, to separate the waters, to separate people, to make differences, by definition, is something which is not Kitov. Yet, on the third day of creation, over there it says two times Kitov. One for the day's work and one for the separation. But what happened? Because when you take separation and then you bring together so that things are separate, but they're infused and they connect to each other, that's actually the right thing. That is really what the shalom means. Shalom is a new creation peace. Torah, when it makes peace, means it takes two separates and it turns them into one, which means it makes peace between them. When you have sort of, which is what the Torah actually did when the Shem gave us the Torah, you have the angels, you have spirituality, you have greatness, uh, and then you have this physical world. In the beginning, spiritual was spiritual, physical was physical. They did not mix. But when it came to Matan Torah, the Medrash says, Hashem says, the Torah is given. Moshe, you go up to the sky. You're from the low, I want you up. And Hashem, who is up, I'm going down. The spiritual came down to the physical. The physical came down to the spiritual. There was a connection.
a Kohen, a Levi, and a Yisrael. The Kohen basically is a servant of God. Okay, well, he had this physical work in the the base Hamikdash, the Kohen Gadol. His job was fully; he was totally engaged in spirituality. The rest of the people are lay people; they work regularly. You know, people also. You have some people who are rabbis who study in the Kolel, who are leaders, who are spiritual people. And then you have people who do work. Each one brings down Hashem in their level. Matter of fact, the people that work with physical matters and they find God in their day-to-day work and they reach out and they bring, they, are, they bring Hashem into the world in a way are doing more than the rabbis who are just connecting to God on a spiritual level. They are engaging the people. What was Korach's argument? Korach's argument want, he says, why are you raising yourselves above the people? Which basically, what was his argument? He didn't argue that it shouldn't be a Kohen. Because he wanted to be a Kohen. Why would he argue it should be a Kohen? What he said was, look, there's two kinds of Jews. There's Jews that learn Torah. Fine. There's Jews that do work. Fine. We all have Hashem. Those who learn Torah have Hashem. Those who do work have Hashem. Why should one group of people be the rabbis? Why do we say that Aaron Baha Haneris? When he raised the lamps that Aaron gave of his level of love, of Ava Rabba, his great love, he gave it to all other Jews. Why do the all other Jews got to get the love of Aaron? Let the other people do what they're doing. They experience Hashem in their lives. They shouldn't need the Kohen Gadol to tell them, to teach them, and bring them up to a level, to a higher level. So while Korach himself wanted to be a Kohen Gadol, but he said, be separate, you know, let these people be the learned people, let these people, they should not be misnase, they shouldn't raise themselves higher, they shouldn't hold themselves higher. Why? They shouldn't be teaching and raising the other people. Everything should be, everybody should do their own thing. But we know that that's not the Hashem wants that even those people whose job is to work with the world, to go out to work and do and find Hashem, do good, give tzedakah, do mitzvahs, they too should have a yearning that they should spend some time learning Torah. They should yearn that they want to be a Kohen sometimes as well. You can't separate, you can't have them only doing the worldly matters. No, they need to be raised it's Shabbos, it's Yom Tov, the end of the day, the beginning of the day. You take time out to learn, to study, to do mitzvahs, to do things, to connect, to become like a koyim. Everybody has to have that level of that kihuna. So, while... Korach's children did tshuva. At the end, and they did tshuva. Korach himself not. Um, so, 
what Korach Korach stands for separation but Torah says let's take that separation and let's bring him into a parish of Torah so that that separation should also be connected so in other words it's not inherently wrong because the Torah the Hashem created the firmament that separated and it didn't say Kitov the first time but we can bring in the Tov in the separation as well we can bring in into the Korach into the disagreement into the separation we should bring in Shalom we should bring in the Torah we should bring in the other level what we have to do is we have to be able to find in the negativity in the separation to infuse them also with that connection to create this new creation of Shalom the level of peace so while people are separate and do have different uh, ideas yet to be able to uh, take from each other and yet to be able to give each other and to be there so Korach, yes it's separation in of itself it's Lotov, it's not Kitov it's not Shlemus but on the third day when you take it, twist it around when he brings about it later on there's a greater gift of the Matnas Kihuna there is something which becomes greater same thing happened, the Rebbe says in Gimel Tamos, in which the people themselves that arrested the Rebbe and they caused him so much grief. And it was they themselves, it's they themselves that um, turn around and they free the Rebbe. So you see how negativity sometimes the people who did the worst things to the Rebbe and they remained the sun which has to shine itself stops to recognize Hashem. It's very hard for us to find the good in Gimel Thomas to see the positive in the whole, in the Korach, in the, in the, uh, in the vacuum of the Rebbe's physical presence over here. It's very hard to feel. But we have to say that uh, with the great mercy and blessing of Hashem, the Rebbe's work keeps on going and expanding. And the Rebbe's love and the Rebbe's care is endless. It doesn't stop. It continues to go and to grow and to be there, to warm the hearts. Of course, nobody can say that we can do what the Rebbe can do when he's here, but at least somehow we see that at least the work is going on and expanding. And we have to say that somehow we will have to see that great benefit when Mashiach comes and will be united with all the tzaddikim and all the great uh, leaders and the Rebbe and the previous Rebbe with all the great tzaddikim will be with us, we'll be able to see the benefit we'll see that is Korach that that bold spot that is, the world has a bold spot because the Rebbe's presence is not here somehow that this is the parsha of the Torah that makes things better, that makes things stronger, that helps things. Um, 
But in the meantime, we will continue to live by the Rebbe's instructions, by the Rebbe's guidance, by the Rebbe's teaching, and uh, we'll keep on waiting. Uh, we won't tire for Mashiach to come. Take us all over Golos, or Kenu and we hope that this will happen. Be Meher of Yemenu, Amen.